you know, so he sent his Holy Spirit to empower his church. And to be honest with you, you know, the true church of God will never be what it was meant to be unless it is moving in the Spirit. That's why he, it was so important that they, they stayed there and waited there until they received it. The church that he was going to build was going to be a supernatural church. It wasn't going to be built with flesh and blood in the hands of men. Men can build a lot of stuff, but they couldn't build this. You know, he knew they needed a particular power. He knew they would be fighting things that are not flesh and blood. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve fell, the enemy came in and he came to kill, steal and destroy. And man broke fellowship with God. And we know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to restore that fellowship. But to live the Christian life, to live a Christ-like life, to be all that we were meant to be, when the fall and the brokenness came, when all we were meant to be, God wanted to restore everything and he knew we were going to need to walk in the Spirit. We're going to speak about the power of the power of the Spirit this morning. The power of the Spirit. But before I do that, before we get to Pentecost and the usual scripture in Acts 2, I want to read out a few scriptures to you. You don't need to turn to them for time. You can if you want, but for time, there's a few scriptures that I want to run, run, run uh, through. There's a few of them, and then we'll get to the book of Acts. The first one is found in Job 26, and it's verse 7 to 14. Listen to this. He spreads out the northern, he spreads out the northern skies over empty spaces. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters and has, and has clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for the boundaries between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven quake against his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he, he cut Rehab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the edges of his ways. It's just the edge. I mean, these are but the whispers, the edges of his ways. These are the edges. The writer's saying, this is just the beginning. This is, this is only the starting point for God. Psalm 62, in verse 11. Now, I want to read these out because we're speaking about God's power. Psalm 62, in verse 11, says this. Do not trust in exhaustion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, and that power belongs to God. And then we'll turn to Acts. Acts chapter 2. Okay, let me read Acts chapter 2 to you. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blown and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit were, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, if we just stop there for a minute, okay? 
I wanted to read those few verses to speak about God's power and about the edges of his ways. You know, he's in control of everything. This world is suspended by the power of his word. He just spoke it. It says in Hebrews, by faith. That's how we understand the world was made, by faith. It's unexplainable. It's a big ball suspended in the middle of air with another 100 billion galaxies that never bump into each other. He placed every star, told the sea where to go and go no more. Ordered the sun when to come up and down and the moon and the stars. Just the power of his word and light came in. The power came in. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the voice of God. Loads of people all the time for years told you, don't take drugs, don't take drink, stop doing that. But they had no power in it. But one day you heard the voice, it says, don't do that. And it was so powerful, so life-changing, you bent your knee and says, God, come into my life and take control. And from the day you heard that voice, there's been power in your life to say no to those things that used to control you. Can you say amen? That's the power of his voice. It's so powerful it can wake up the dead. It can revive nations. It's not the voice of a man. I pray with all my heart this morning that you would even hear the voice behind my voice and the word of the Lord and that God is speaking to us powerfully through his word. The Spirit's power is for every generation. That wasn't just the start of the church. That's how the church was to continue. If if that was just the start of the church, as some people preach, and that was just then to kind of get a springboard into building the church, why on earth would we need the power today then? We need the power because we're fighting with the same devil, the same sickness, the same problem, so we definitely need the same spirit. We need the same signs. We need the same wonders. We We need the power of God. Can you say amen? The power of the Spirit is for every Christian. It's not for those who are good enough. Nobody was good enough. Nobody's big enough. Nobody's clean enough. Nobody's pure enough. He said, I'm going to pour my Spirit in all flesh. I'm going to pour my Spirit out on every man and woman who's born again and bow the knee to me and walk in my ways and obey me. My Spirit is for you. My Spirit is for you. There's no big shots. In fact, a big shot is just a little shot who kept on shooting. There's no big men. There's no great people. It's God. In fact, he goes to the lowest form. I'm high and lifted up, but yet I live in him with a contrite heart, him who's low and humble. The Spirit's power is for mission. It's not just for great meetings. It's for mission. It's to spill out the doors of the church and that your light will shine in the community. So you see, one of the roles of the Spirit, I'm going to baptize you with power and you're going to be my witnesses. If you're going to be his witnesses... It's not certainly not going to be in here. It's going to be out there in the factory floor and where it is tough, where you need to go to work every day and you've got kids screaming and you've got a boss who doesn't like you and you've got everything going on in your life. This power, I said last week, and I mean it, the same Jesus who lived in Jerusalem has a new address. He now lives in you. You are now his address. You are now the temple. The same Spirit, the presence of of the Spirit, it leads us into confidence. You see that in Acts when Peter is preaching, the boldness that came on him, the confidence that came on him, the conviction that came on the people. I mean, where did this man learn to preach like this? The Spirit came on him. 
and it was powerful. Started to get the Old Testament and the New Testament and match everything up. One of the most amazing sermons you've ever heard in your life came from a fisherman. Only saved three years and 3,000 came in. Not bad for first sermon. Where did he get all that knowledge? Where did he get all that power? He got it in a, when God said, wait till this power comes on you. Peter was filled with scripture, filled with boldness. Boy, do we need boldness in this day and age with all the, all the other gods that are out there, political correctness and all the other stuff that's going on. I'll tell you, if you're going to be a Christian in the days to come, you're going to need boldness. You need boldness and courage to tell the truth. You need strength in us. The Spirit was sent to empower us for God's mission. When I was younger, my mother used to um, write out a shopping list. And she'd say, I want you to go to the shop, you know, two pints of milk, a loaf, six eggs, and whatever. And I'd take it to the, the van or the shop. And in this little note, there would be a £10 or a, a £5 note. And I would go to the shop and I would give it to the man and i just give him the note, just give him that. And then he said, that'll be £10. Give him the money, put the money in his hand. Give me the shopping in the, they call it, carrier bag. Go home. And my mother would say, thank you. And in the same way, in the same way, the Holy Spirit has a mission. He has a message. And God's given us a list of things to do. And he said, not only am I going to show you what to do, I'm going to give you the power to deliver everything I've asked you to do. Just like my mother gave me that money and said, that's what I want done. The Holy Ghost, God sent the Holy Ghost and said, I'm going to give you a message, I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to send you places, and I want the job done. And not in your strength, it's going to be in my strength, I'm going to give you the power, I'm going to give you the wisdom, I'm going to give you the authority, and everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give you victory, you're going to see the blind see, the lame walk, demons come out, you're going to see souls getting saved, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. He says here, there's the book, there's the message, now go, stand somewhere. I mean, how much do you need to preach the gospel? You need a box and a man filled with the Holy Ghost on any street corner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, when young men come to us, that's what we should do. There's a box. There's a corner there in Derby. Nobody knows Jesus. Stand there and preach the gospel. Can you say amen? Everybody wants a pulpit, but the world is your pulpit. He's just looking for somebody who will stand and be bold and be courageous and believe that our greatest challenge is not our devotion and not just our commitment and our faithfulness. Our greatest challenge is believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it can do what it says it can do. Can you say amen? amen. The Holy Ghost. We are witnesses. It means sent ones. It's about people who are going about the Father's business. It's about men being transformed. In the Old Testament, when he came on Samuel and David and Moses and Samson, it said they became different men. Something happens to you when you get filled with the Spirit. Something happens to you. You're not the same. You're not the same. You don't speak the same. Sometimes you don't look the same. You certainly don't act the same. When the Spirit comes on you, I'll tell you, there's a boldness comes on you. There's a message comes on you. And the message is really important. He says, when you blow the trumpet, make sure you hit the right note. It's really important that we get the message right. It's really important that we communicate the right message. You see, when the, the day of Pentecost came, 
Peter said this. They were asking, what is this? That's a good question. I'd like the world to ask us what this is. If we can just get them asking that question again, what is this? And he never went, you know, well, I can't explain it. It's just an experience. It was phenomenal. They're like, right, good. He said, this is that. And you can't say this is it until you can say this is that. He said, this is that which Joel spoke about. This is that that was promised. This is that that was predicted all those thousands of years ago. And here it is. And this right now, this morning, we experienced the promise and the power of what God said he would do. He has done this morning in Jerusalem. What you see is not men who are drunk, but men who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And then he begins to preach an amazing message. He said, you have killed the author of life. Nobody can be saved by any other name, any other God, any other place, but by the name of Jesus. How bold was that? And this fisherman, I can imagine that young, that young girl that Peter denied when he denied Jesus. I wonder if she was in the crowd. And she went, what on earth happened to him? <laughs> Wasn't it that long ago that he was saying, I don't know him? And now here he is, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees, the men of the day, and every foreign god you can think of, all run about and all the different views, and then this fisherman gets up, filled with the Holy Ghost, and 3,000 people come into the kingdom. You see, Pentecost means 50. They knew what it meant. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of harvest. That's why when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he says, sit them in 50s. He knew right away, they're going to say 50. That, that means something to me. That's, I'm expecting. It was a number of expecting. The power, that power was going to come. That man at the gate, beautiful, who was crippled for 38 years, all of a sudden Peter walked by him and he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And know what? He got up and he started leaping and dancing and praising God. And the church was buffed in the Holy Spirit and it must continue in the Holy Spirit. I'll say it last week and I'll say it again. When the Holy Ghost does not get preeminence in the church, God will be trivialized to some jokes, some stories with no power and no authority. It will be trivialized. That's why it says, pick men, let me say, and women who are filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're saying that to somebody, it means there's people who are not. We, oh, we, we, we would pick for talent now. What a voice. That's the one. God says, okay, but you want to see the attitude you're getting with a voice because I've not got the Holy Ghost. You want to see the trouble you're going to give yourself. I'd, I would rather have somebody with half a voice, folk with the Holy Ghost who love God and serve and a great attitude and humble and singing. At least the anointing will come upon them. And a nice voice. It's like the old story, isn't it? A man was in a conference and he stood up and he read out, The Lord is my shepherd. Absolutely, wonderfully, correctly. Dot every T, every dot, every I. Everybody stood up and clapped. It was so powerful. Then another wee guy got up and he could hardly get through it. Massacred the Queen's English and everybody was crying because one knew the shepherd and one didn't. The Holy Ghost, when the day of Pentecost, they were together. And then suddenly a sound Boy, do we need a sound from heaven. 
There's so many sounds today. Boy, do we need a sound from heaven. A word from God, a sound from heaven. And then it says suddenly. I love that. I love that. Suddenly. All of a sudden they're in there, they're praying. Here's the key, they're praying, they're obedient, they're listening, they're waiting, they're not being impatient. You see, there's a lot of things happened before that came. They were praying, they obeyed God, they were waiting, and then suddenly, it was suddenly, but it wasn't suddenly to God, it was suddenly to them. Suddenly, all, can you imagine all of a sudden everybody just begins to pray in tongues? A hundred, uh, 15 years before that, somebody prophesied it, and here was the moment. Here was the day where the church was going to walk in that power that he spoke about. Can you imagine the glory in that room? Can you imagine the power in that room? Oh, look at each other going, did you get it too? Yeah, will you hear this? Whoa, just praying in tongues, power of God. Can you imagine they just spilled it onto those streets? What was happening? They, they thought they were drunk. They thought they were drunk. It was only nine in the morning. Said they can't be drunk, it's nine in the morning. I don't know why they said that, because I know people who've been at nine in the morning. <laughs> but it was nine in the morning. Nine in the morning, all of a sudden they were began to pray in tongues, they began to prophesy the power of God. The world was going to see a power better than any nuclear power, any power man had ever had. Let me tell you, power comes from God. That's why Pilate was in front of Jesus Christ. He said, don't you know I've got the power to crucify you? And Jesus said, don't you know? You would have no power unless it came from above. I want to tell you, all power belongs to God. And he's given you that power through his Holy Spirit. You can live this life. You can be victorious, more than a conqueror. And not only that, you can do greater works because he said that we would. But he's looking for somebody to believe it. You see, we actually sometimes don't believe it because we're so frail, we're so weak, right? We don't live right sometimes. Sometimes we're pathetic in our own sin and we think, oh, God won't use me, God won't fill me. But I'll tell you, when somebody delivers a pizza to your door and somebody comes with it, can you imagine you ordered a pizza and the guy never brought it in a box and he just held the pizza and it was all the cheese, all the pepperoni, it was all spilling over the place. You'd be like, oh, listen, you ordered the pizza and the pizza's the thing that you want. The box, what do you do with the box? I'll tell you what you do. You crush it and you put it in the bin. You go, yes, pizza time. But that box is really important. The box is nothing in itself. The box is very cheap. But what it carries is really important. And we don't look much. And most of the time we're frail. And most of the time we're weak. And most of the time we don't feel that we are anywhere with God than anywhere where we should be. And us who are older should know better and still struggling with some sin. But God says, listen, the box is not perfect yet, but it doesn't mean to say that I'm not going to put my spirit in this box. I need your body. You are the temple. You are now my new address. Will you give me your feet? Will you give me your hands? Will you give me your voice? Will you give me your obedience? And will you let me throw you somewhere for my glory and for my honor. Will you help me to build my church so that the gates of hell won't prevail? Can I put my gospel message in you for this poor, dying world? And if you've got some talent and any skills, I'll take that too. But the first thing I need is you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit 
It's not any sense of self-fulfillment. It's a call to self-denial to be used by God for his glory and his honor. Friends, I was going to speak a different message and I was going to go right into Pentecost, but somehow I feel I wanted to bring this down to earth today. And I meant it. I didn't want to just go away with an amazing meeting and a fantastic meeting. I want all of that. But I wanted to bring the Holy Ghost into our kitchens and into our schools and into our marriages and into our life right down where we can know the power of God when life's not going well and the Holy Spirit says, this is the way walk in it. And you hear his voice, the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's, he's your helper. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you, to your advantage I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go away, I will send him. That's what he's here for. He's a paraclete. He's somebody who stands alongside you. If you're in a fight, he's in the fight. When you need comfort, he's going to be there. When you need strengthened, he's going to be there. When you forget stuff, he's going to remind you of who you are in Jesus Christ. You know, I don't want Pentecost just in a meeting. I want Pentecost to live. Actually, most of what happened at Pentecost spilled out of the doors. That's what the Holy Ghost came for, the world, for the church, so that we can go out and let our light shine. He helps us to do the Father's will. It says in 2 Corinthians, and we all with unveiled faces, contemplating the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-creasing glory, which comes from the Holy Spirit. He's going to make you like Christ. He's, never, he's not going to leave you alone. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to keep shaping you. He's going to shape molding you. you can, David said, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. The Holy Ghost goes, you can go a lot of places, but you're never going to get away from me. I'm coming for you. You know, you think, I'm moving to Australia, I'm not having this. He goes, you're in for a shot, because I live there too. <laughs> no, seriously, we think the most craziest things. And we try and block him out, and he said, no, I'm committed to you. I'm going to make you more like him. I'm going to get you to love your wife the way he loves the church. Pentecost, good, isn't it? Well, what's the point of all of that happening, if it doesn't spill into all of that? Seriously. And you know I'm a Holy Ghost preacher. You know I, I, I want to... I want to go for it. I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, no. No, this must get into your deepest character. This must get into changing attitudes. This must get into believing God for more than we are. Friends, this is a great building. This is a great church. But this is not it. There's more. I said there's more. Anybody want more? Yes. Sometimes we just need to empty ourselves of stuff to get more. Just need, I need to put that down. I want more of the Spirit. Well, what are you willing to do to get more of the Spirit? What are you willing to lay down? Because He's willing to fill. I love the Holy Spirit. I love Him. See, I was uneducated. I, I, I'm not new, but I was. I remember when he came on me, the boldness. I used to be shy. I still am. But the Spirit comes on me and I become a different man. The Spirit comes on me and it gives me boldness to preach. 
But I'll tell you, before I got married, I'll tell you, I'd be at weddings standing in the corner. I, I couldn't even start. I would be dreading it if somebody starts a conversation with me. Funeral, I'll tell you. I used to stand, talk to people, and then I'd go, excuse me, I need the toilet. I'd go into the toilet, and I'd be like, oh, what are we going to talk about now? I don't know what he say. And then the Spirit comes on you, and you become a different man. I mean, the Spirit, came on, the Spirit of God came on a man and gave him all the details, all the details how to build a tabernacle. And one man. He put his spirit on a man to build the tabernacle. Put his spirit on Noah to build an ark. And he put his spirit on us so that we can be partnership and be his hands and be his feet to build his church. Remember, overflowing with hope, the beginning of this year, Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you may, so that by the Holy Spirit's power that you may abound and overflow with hope. When he said this is that, there's an expectation. Is there an expectation this morning that God with so much love and so much grace, would want to fill his church with revival power of the Holy Spirit. God, revive us again. Can you say amen? amen? Friends, we don't even know we need revived sometimes. We need revived. The church needs revived. It needs renewed. It needs refreshed. And that's only going to happen when me and you say, more, Lord, with an expectation and believe that. This is not just an experience. This is what was predicted and it must be received by faith. See, the Holy Spirit uses the word. It's the word, it's the sword. That's how he said, this is that what Joel said. The Holy Spirit, this is the sword of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Ghost uses. He picks this up and he uses it. He said that the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. This is what he uses to convict. This is what he uses. It's the power of his word. Now, I know there's a lot of experiences can happen in the Holy Ghost, but I'll tell you, it's a few occasions where God will step out of his word to meet somebody. Most of the time, it's when in the confines of this Bible, and it's, that's where the Holy Ghost will use, or you end up with fanaticism, and you have no way to measure it. And the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to make sure you're going to be able to measure if it's me or not. I ain't moving outside this word of this book. I mean, why would you want to move outside of it anyway when you read what's happened in it? Why would you want to move from it when you see what people done inside it? The Spirit's power. That's what we're talking about this morning, is God's power. As I said in Job, these are but the edges of his ways. Yes, it's about praying in tongues. Yes, it's about preaching in boldness. But I'll tell you, all of that has to spill into our everyday lives. I want Pentecost in every area of my life. It doesn't matter if we know the Bible and it's all just in your head. What matters if you've done the things it said? You see, let, excuse me to digress for a minute. That's like the Good Samaritan. Remember the priest and the Levite went by? You know, they looked the part. But looking the part did not give that guy a cup of water. A, a Samaritan said, 
I'm going to give you water. I'm going to pay your bills. And I'm going to do it. You see, that's a changed heart. That's a compassionate heart. That's a loving heart. I think that's what Pentecost brings as well. Compassionate and love. Did Peter know got up and preached with compassion and love and truth and honesty? And 3,000 people came in. Now, friends, I want to ask you something this morning. Is the Holy Ghost in every area? Where do you need to say, fill me with power? Yes, for the mission. Maybe, you, maybe you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you don't pray in other tongues. I want to tell you this morning, God can fill you. God wants to fill you. But he doesn't want to fill you just for us. He wants to fill you because he's got a work for you to do. He's got a mission for you to accomplish. And I'll tell you, it's not going to happen without the Holy Spirit. You can do a lot of good stuff, but it's this, this power of the Spirit that makes a difference in a church. So I'm praying this morning, Holy Ghost, come. Come into every marriage. Come into every family. Come into our sons and daughters. Let this hit every generation, Lord. Lord, let us not be the generation where the next generation said, we never see, where is the God of Elijah? I'll tell you, it's not going to happen on our watch. Amen, Pastor. It's not going to happen, man. We've got the baton. We are running for it. We want to build a Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, powerful, God-fearing, God-loving, full of grace church where God is moving in every life. And it's not just from meeting to meeting, but we're actually making a difference in a city. We're actually making a difference in our neighborhood. We're actually making a difference where we live. We're actually making a difference in our work. That's, see, I don't need the anointing to preach. I need the anointing to live. I mean, what do you think these men done all day? What do you think they done when they, after that? I'll tell you what, they went and had something to eat. There was 120 in that room. Some went back, went back to their jobs. Some went back to their families. They took Pentecost to where they are. But I know this, and I'll finish with this, the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our life, everyday lives. And you know, <clears throat> we need to continue in it. And you continue in it by being with him by making sure that nothing breaks that fellowship between you and Christ. Keep short accounts with people and keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with people and short accounts with God and let the Spirit flow. Do you know, he can be grieved. He can be resisted. I know it's Pentecost Sunday, but I need to say this. Ananias and Sapphira died under grace because they lied to the Holy Ghost. No, no everybody's falling about dying. Thank God. No, seriously, thank God. It's amazing. More, more didn't. But I think they were in such revival. And you know what it said? And the church was full of fear after that. I'm thinking, yeah, you'd be like that. You would be. <laughs> Under grace, after the cross. And then they went, carried them out. And they just kept on preaching. And from that day until this, thousands and thousands and millions of people have been baptized. And this could be your Pentecost Sunday. This could be your Pentecost Sunday today. And for some of us, it could be, God, do it again. Fill me anew with the fire of God. Put a flame of love in my heart and grace. Anybody want fold? Anybody want more? But you're going to have to come believing. And you're going to have to come not by feeling, which I'm glad this morning, <clears throat> but by faith. And they were all in one accord, one place, and suddenly 
suddenly. That's what happens in revival. Suddenly God turns up. So this morning I want to ask you, do you need another suddenly? Say, God, do it again. Put your fire in me. Put your word in me. Put your boldness in me. I've shrunk back. I've shrunk back from sharing. I've shrunk back in the culture and the climate of my work and my places. My mouth, I feel my mouth is closed up. God, fill me again. Release my tongue. Set my heart on fire. Release my spirit. And let me go about your business again with the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen. Let's stand for a moment.